Welcome to You Need a Coach, Bitch. I'm your host, Chris Hale. I'm a certified life coach and coach instructor. I'm also a master dance educator and self-proclaimed Zenial Pop Diva. Every week, I bring you a conversation to help you harness your inner authority by popping the patriarchy and crafting the life of your dreams. Are you ready to unleash your inner creator? Let's go. Hey, besties, how is your week going? Okay, so first things first, I have to update you on the ultimatum. And sadly, I have to say that I could not manage to make it through the first episode. I just can't do it. Now, to be fair, I have never been into these kinds of relationship shows. I've only ever seen like one episode of The Bachelor and that's because, like, I had a friend on it, um, and I had a former student on Love Island, so I've seen clips of that. But these are just, like, not normally my jam. Anyway, while I could not watch the show, I did read a clickbait article at 3 a.m. when I couldn't sleep about the rules they have to follow. And can you hear the air quotes around the word rules? <laughs> yeah, it's because the first paragraph basically says there are none which is why it was clickbait. Even like they say they're not supposed to see their ex like in the first three weeks when they're like in their pretend marriage with another person. But also like they they can do like unsupervised, unfilmed hangouts where in the article it said that they would be chilling with their new mate and ex at the same place. So what confused much? Like, I don't know. The one thing I have to say I appreciated was that in this article, the producer said, and let's take this with whatever grain you need to, (laughs) um, that she doesn't care about the outcomes. Whereas I think often, right, they're trying to like sell a specific story with these shows and they're kind of like orchestrating things in a way that manipulates people into fulfilling that story. She said she really wants people to, like, make the choice that they believe is going to make them happiest. So whether that's, like, with their current partner, with the new person they meet, or even on their own. If you are into this shit, like, you're, like, into, like, having all your opinions and you get swept up in the moment with the cast and the people living out their own self-directed lives. It can be really interesting. Also, I think it's cool that although it's called Ultimatum that a proposal is not actually the goal. And now, over the past two episodes of this podcast, I have spent more time thinking and talking about this show than I actually have watching it. So we'll move on to another gay dating show (laughs) that I watched in its entirety, thanks to my friend Nate. Hey, Nate. Um, He listens to the show. It was called, and I kid you not, For the Love of Dilfs. I know, I know. So its aim was to pair daddies and himbos, although I still don't understand the definition of a himbo because, like, one of the guys was 29, which, like, at this point, guys in their late 20s are being called daddy. So I don't know. I really think daddy is a state of mind. And I guess himbo is too, although it's interesting that I looked up the origin of the word bimbo, Um, And it was originally used to describe men and like the kind of man that you would think of 
if you thought of a female bimbo, like that's what we're thinking of, like the equivalent of like a woman. It's used for women now. So if you think about that, like the male equivalent. But <laughs> um, the word translates from Latin as baby boy. So it's weird because bimbo is actually already masculine. So like himifying it, making it himbo is kind of redundant anyway. I will say I did enjoy this one, but I think it's actually more because I was watching it with Nate and my husband. So we were having this like group social experience. So maybe I'd like the other show if I watched it with or if I had someone else to like talk about it with. But I'm not going to talk too much about this. The only thing I want to say about it is like I understand that all the drama is manufactured on these shows, but could we at least make it somewhat believable? And I say this because of this guy, Tony. He is playing this, like, sheltered Italian Jersey boy that gets paired with a sex worker and has some, like, uncomfortable feelings about it and basically asks this guy, Alex, to, like, educate him about it because, like, it's just so different from the life that he lives. Girl, please, One quick Google search and you find out he's Mr. Gay World USA 2022. He's lived in LA, Singapore, and Florida. He's also an actor who's toured with like Grease and like Happy Days, which I didn't even know there was a Happy Days musical. And get this, Paw Patrol Live. Yes, Paw Patrol Live, which makes total sense because he is fully playing Chachi as an animated dog the entire show. But, like, you mean to tell me you haven't been around sex workers? Half of the casts he's worked on have probably had OnlyFans accounts. He's probably fucked a sex worker. He's on his Instagram account in a Lycra superhero costume that, like, all the gay-baiting straight boys with OnlyFans accounts are wearing. Like, he's almost a sex worker. So, like, come on. It's just, like, let's make it believable. It's just not when you're claiming that you're like this sheltered boy when you've been all over the world and you've clearly encountered sex workers. So yeah, I did have fun watching this show and cringing and hollering at the TV with my people. It was fun. I also binged the last season of Never Have I Ever, and I have to admit, it fucking got me. I was a mess. I love Davey and the gang, and I just wanted so much more. I'm very happy with the ending, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. I love that they kept it upbeat and gave everyone like nicely tied up happy-ish endings. So that's that. I think they did leave the door open for like a next chapter, but I'm very satisfied with this being the end. I don't need more. I would like more, but I don't need it. And, like, so much has ended this year. Ted Lasso, Never Have I Ever, Working Moms, Firefly Lane. Ugh, did you guys watch Firefly Lane? And yet, Grey's is still going strong. And I mean, like, stronger, actually. This new cast of interns is the best since the original. Although, Joe's first season was pretty great. She and Stephanie were fucking rock stars. Anyway, enough about TV. I know the real reason why you are here. You're here for part two from last week's episode. And I can also give you a little bit of an update on my jaw. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you're going to want to go back and get filled in. Last week, we talked about the details of my healing crisis and how to extract the lesson from what was going on with my body and apply it to our business and creative endeavors. This week, we are going to dive into the impact that my healing crisis was having on me and all the aspects of my life, but mostly my business, because that's where I tend to see the ripple effect most clearly. 
So one of the things that I try to stress is that the messages our bodies are giving us are real and need to be respected. So in the world of like strict mindset work, I think we're often taught to ignore our bodies and believe that literally everything we experience is a result of our thinking or That's the way we interpret the teaching. I don't think that's actually what's being taught, but that's a whole nother story from like my perspective as an instructor. (laughs) But I want to make a very clear distinction here that in my opinion, thought work is about how we're experiencing things. Also, this is mostly happening at an unconscious level. What I'm usually trying to do with my coaching through thought work is bring awareness to the unconscious so that we can decide if we want to reprogram your subconscious. I'm pointing this out because even I still default to thinking that I should have more control over my energy, my motivation, my ability to focus than like I actually do. We have very little if any, control over what our bodies are doing. And I tend to not recognize when there are very real things affecting my focus, energy, attention, etc. Because I tend to fall back on believing that it's just my thoughts or that I should be able to think my way out of it. This healing crisis is a perfect example. And that is because all last week, and actually, if I'm honest, for the past few weeks, I've been off. I generally have inconsistent energy and I use up all my executive functioning points pretty early in the day, which usually results in me needing a nap at some point so I can reset. While I'm sleeping is usually the only time my mind is quiet, or rather the only time I am not acutely consciously aware of its constant chatter. So over the last few weeks, I really just thought I wasn't being firm enough with myself in regard to staying on task and executing the things I wanted to. This got especially intense last week following my massage when I was experiencing this healing crisis. I had less energy than usual. And again, I kind of pushed that on my own lack of motivation. And listen up, because this is the number one thing I want you to walk away with from this episode. Your humanness, which can show up as exhaustion, illness, lack of interest, hello, my ADHDers, Uh, they're not moral. They're not moral failings. It's just you being a human. It's funny because I was actually watching an episode of Grey's um, from season two, and the patient story was a guy that was like really intense and had no friends or family except for his assistant, who he fires because the guy has like seen him like incapacitated and like he's embarrassed by that. And when asked why, he says, illness is a sign of weakness. I can tell he no longer respects me. So yeah, I think a lot of us are still walking around with this idea. Even after the entire world experienced a pandemic, there are people out there right now that believe that the reason they or others got sick is because they were not spiritually aligned enough or that, you know, In the Christian's case, they sinned against God and this was their punishment, right? Like we believe that we like humanness, like the the fact that yes, we are susceptible to these things. We believe that and somehow it is our fault and that it is something that we need to like be forgiven slash forgive ourselves for. So I've talked about this so many times, but it bears repeating our Christian basis has indoctrinated us all into this belief that we are amoral heathens in need of constant forgiveness, even if you're not Christian, 
even across Christianity, though, right? Like, my siblings and I were raised Catholic, but, like, my brother has since been, like, baptized into, like, a Christian church and believes that, like, like our first baptisms were not legit because we were babies. So, like, there's apparently a way to do baptism wrong, right? Like, <laughs> and it's like, who's deciding this? It's just some random dudes, like, that they believe they should get to make the rules. So, by me believing that I was just not doing enough thought work to get myself motivated, I was missing the fact that something was very off in my body. Now, I can hear all those people out there wanting to come for this work and the basis of it, but here's the thing. I was the one missing it because of my own condition. This is a classic case of using the work against yourself. If I had been being kinder to myself from the beginning, I would have paid more attention to the pain I was in as the first sign. My body was speaking to me, and it was very real. That is a very real circumstance. I woke up with foot pain and intense jaw pain on Saturday, and I still rode my bike, which was intense on my foot, and it jostled around my jaw. I did do some self-massage and got out my Theragun, like I have like a Theragun facial edition, right? But I was still pushing myself to move and function at the same capacity, even though I was in a lot of pain. I was not feeling into that pain and asking my body what it needed. I was telling my body what it was going to do and then trying to do crisis management around that. That is my fault. (laughs) It's not ThoughtWorks' fault. Being in constant physical pain is exhausting. You're either managing it or disassociating from it and both drain your energy. And this is definitely a holdover from the dance days where it was actually required of me that I, to the best of my ability and with support of a team of people, manage my pain while still dancing, right? Like I sprained my ankle so bad once that I, and I thought I was going to like continue to teach class from a chair in the corner. And I mean, like the thing was, there was only 15 minutes left of class. And like, for sure, I believed I could power through. I could not. That was shock talking. So I would love to tell you that I eventually got to a place where I started being nicer to myself and listening to my body. But unfortunately, I did not give myself the authority to take care of me and lay off on all the judgment. It was not until I saw my chiropractor and she told me how off my entire face was and asked me if I'd like fallen or hit my head. And I was like, "Um, I don't think so. (laughs) Like I was in the kind of like, condition that someone who experiences a traumatic injury was in. Like, that's what was going on. And she just said the words like, you must have been so exhausted and disoriented. This was a major adjustment. And that was the moment it all clicked. I was like, oh, yes, I have been exhausted. Yes, I have been walking around in a fog. And I just believed it was me failing at coaching myself into productivity. So this is where I contradict myself a bit, because while I am saying it's not just thoughts, (laughs) it actually is. (laughs) But what I needed to do first was acknowledge that for whatever reason, even if it was self-inflicted, like I could have been staying up late, like drinking too much or whatever, like I was physically tired, like just drained. And I felt really off center and like in a fog. These sensations in my body were real, as real as like hunger or like the need to pee. So if I had been able to do that, then I might have been able to tune in and ask myself what I needed. I could have been curious about what the pain and the disorientation were telling me instead of choosing thoughts that created discompassion for myself. Is discompassion a word? Discompassionate? Maybe, I don't know. 
What I am saying that it's not just thoughts. I want you to realize that we are so cut off from the physical experience we are having. And we need to start listening to our bodies more and believing what they are telling us as facts. And then deciding what we want to do with those facts, how we want to think about those facts. So how am I now? Well, I saw my massage guy again. Shout out to Jason Baruda. I would say if you're in North Jersey, check him out. But he's booked up because he's so damn good. So get on his wait list if you can. Anyway, and here's a side note for my entrepreneurs. He is fully booked and it's mostly from word of mouth. He seriously fixes bodies and people shout about it. He has virtually no online presence, and yet he moved into his own space this past year, and he's thinking about raising his rates for a second time and bringing on another practitioner. So the good old classics still work. You just have to be really good at solving people's problems. So good that they rave about you to all their friends. And I will tell you, I rave about him. And in this visit, he fucked me up in the best way. He went deep on the facial massage, and it was like one of the most painful things I have ever been through. If you have never had to have your jaw muscles, but also like the muscles of your face, like if you've never had to like experience that, it was so intense. I'm feeling much better finally. I'm still sore, but the quality of the pain has changed. Um, And it's gone from what I would consider like bad pain to like healing pain. And it's still kind of just trying to work itself out. And I'm trying to be as nice to it as possible and not eat like hard foods. It's killing me because I love to chew gum. But I know that that can like exacerbate my TMJ symptoms anyway. There you have it. That was the entire journey so far. Um, I do have another teeth cleaning coming up in July. So we'll see how that goes. And if that like contributes to making it worse again, I don't know. And here's where I'm actually going to do like a teeny little sales pitch for you, because if you've been thinking about working with me and you see yourself in this story, if you're consistently ignoring the calls coming from inside the house and living more from your brain than from being in your body, come work with me. I do this work with others all the time, which is why I'm able to catch it in myself. I actually recently referred a client to a Pilates instructor because I can tell that a lot of her fear and lack of feeling of safety is coming from like hypermobility and not like having a real sense of stability in her body. So I'm excited to see how like we might start to see shifts in her awareness from the growing strength in her being, like in her body. Like I'm I'm wondering if it's going to like translate into her feeling more empowered and just like confident in the world. And this is the kind of thing we do when you work with me. It's holistic. It's deeply intuitive. It's spiritual. And it will change your life. So book a consult. And we can start to make a plan for you to get more embodied. All right, besties. Have a great week. If you are loving the podcast, it's time to put a ring on it. It would mean the world to me if you would do one or all of these things. First off, Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or all the places podcasts are available if you want to be extra. While you're there, giving a five-star rating and leaving a review would be epic. And lastly, spreading the love by sharing your favorite episode would be beyond. Thanks, love. We'll talk soon.